have a Bible, uh, you can go ahead and turn with me in your Bibles to uh, Romans chapter 8, Romans 8, verse 22, and we'll pick up there in a moment. Uh, If you've been tracking with us on Sundays, uh, you know that we finished our series through the book of Galatians uh, last Sunday. And uh, two weeks from now, as I just mentioned, we will step into uh, the vision series as we get into the month of September, which will then uh, move from there into our fall series. And the fall series is going to be all about um, witness and cultural renewal. How do we exist as a vital church in uh, the cultural moment that we're living in in the Western world? Uh, But this Sunday and next kind of exist between the two series, and I uh, wanted to use this Sunday and next Sunday as an opportunity for us to uh, process the moment that we're living in. Uh, 2020 has been a crazy year so far, and uh, we want to uh, flourish as disciples of Jesus in the midst of everything that is unfolding. So uh, next Sunday, we'll talk about what it looks like to be a non-anxious presence in our culture, to operate as people of peace in the midst of chaos. Uh, But this morning, I want to talk about uh, coping with COVID. And in particular, I want us to explore the topics of hope and lament, which is really one topic, two sides of the same coin. Uh, How do we cope? How do we process the moment that we're living in? And what role does lament play in allowing us to flourish as followers of Jesus in here and now. So uh, we'll start with uh, Romans 8 verse 22. Here's what it says. Uh, Paul writes, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Let's pray. Jesus, we uh, come to you this morning uh, and carrying uh, different burdens, different distractions, each one of us with our own sort of uh, inner groaning uh, over the circumstances in our world. Uh, And yet so many of us here this morning, Jesus, uh, have already given our lives to you or uh, will do that soon. And as a result, we're also people of hope. Uh, And so would you show us how to walk in those? Would you show us actually the relationship uh, between the two of them and uh, really show us how to be um, released uh, into being uh, people who are free? in you, uh, who don't uh, deny uh, the pain in this of this world or the pain within us, uh, but who process it well and who uh, flourish in the hope that we have. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, the scriptures describe a world in tension, a world that is groaning, and a people who are groaning inwardly along with it. While at the same time, in the same breath, there is hope. Uh, The verses we just read said, we wait eagerly 
for what lies ahead, for what we don't have, for what we can't see. And though eager, we wait for it patiently. Uh, As followers of Jesus, we are to live in this world carrying hope and groaning at the same time, simultaneously, hand in hand. Hope and lament go together. And I want to explore that concept this morning, starting with lament. Uh, If you're taking notes or you're a note taker, you can write this down. Uh, Lament is the process of articulating grief, uh, of taking what is internal and making it external, expressing it to ourselves, to God, and to others. And if that's too long of a definition, just write, lament is articulating grief. Each one of us, uh, to some extent or another, is aware of our uh, inner groaning right now. We're aware of the grief. We're aware of the loss, uh, at least in some vague way. And the art of lamenting is learning to articulate our grief, to articulate our loss. Again, if you're taking notes, uh, I want to touch on four types of loss this morning. And as you're listening, I want you to, to pay attention to what resonates as I describe these. There are more than four types of loss in the world, to be sure, uh, but these four are particularly relevant for what many of us are going through. Uh, and the first, if you're taking notes, is layered loss. Uh, and uh, layered loss is when you have different types of loss or grief that sort of compound or become layered. You're dealing with them all at the same time. So you can uh, picture like a cake that has layers in it or like a double-decker freeway where there's all these different things going on on different levels. Uh, but in our hearts and our souls, they begin to compound on one another. So, for example... Uh, Most of us sitting here this morning feel some sense of global loss. Uh, We see that the world is in uh, some some state of of pain, of chaos. There's financial strife. There's food insecurity in much of the world. Uh, A loss of life from COVID-19 deaths. A large-scale global societal changes with uh, the brunt of it falling on some of the poorest people and and our awareness of those changes that strife that pain can weigh on us then you've got another layer which is national loss uh, our, our own covid deaths and covid related issues in america the racial tension that was brought screaming to the forefront by the death of george floyd the the rioting the anger the tension the debates That old cultural wound that's existed for hundreds of years was uh, ripped open again through those events. And in the midst of it, you've got anger, you've got sadness, you have fear, disorientation, disappointment. And many of us are trying to process that on a national level. And as if we didn't have enough drama already, it's an election year which is sure to produce its own sense of division and anger and stress and fear. Then you've got the personal layer. Uh, How has COVID-19 affected you? 
the death of a loved one or someone that you know, the financial loss of less hours at work or the loss of a job completely, uh, an uncertain financial future, uh, all of the massive uh, social changes that we've been dealing with. Uh, Perhaps you uh, have had to move your work to home and are trying to figure that out. Uh, You have to wear a mask everywhere you go, uh, which is hot and uncomfortable. Um, and, And of the many things that we love to do, the things that give us life, if we think and reflect on those things, well, many of those things have been uh, modified, restricted, or even taken away from us completely. The things we did for fun, uh, our engagement in community. Uh, and then to uh, top everything off, many of us right now are, are sort of uh, suffering from decision fatigue. Tons of uh, time and energy Uh, spent making decisions that we never had to make before. Uh, How will I structure work and and, uh, home and community? Can we go and visit those people or not? Do we cancel all of our trips this year? Who can I see and who can I not see? Am I following the right guidelines? All of the personal issues that we're dealing with. And what happens is that you've got all of those different layers and they begin to compound on each other. We, we can't totally sort them out in our own minds, but all of a sudden we're stressed. We're angry. We're anxious. We're lashing out at our roommates or our spouse or our kids or at random people online or at our government leaders or our church leaders or whoever it is, and we aren't quite sure why. Why am I acting out this way? Why am I lashing out in these ways? But we're just angry. There's compounding layers of loss. Number two, if you're taking notes, is called eclipsed loss. And if you think of how a lunar eclipse works, then you'll immediately get the imagery that's involved. Uh, You're processing one type of uh, grief or loss, say the loss of a loved one. And and that takes a long time to process. But as you're processing that, well, then into the scene comes COVID-19. And it sort of eclipses the other loss. Now you have to process something even more immediate. And before you fully process the losses associated with COVID-19, well, then in comes racial tension. And it sort of dominates your thinking. And and you're trying to, to process those things, but before you can, something even more immediate comes in and eclipses that. Unemployment runs out. Uh, Your job finally lets you go. But each time a a new, more immediate thing comes in, what happens is that your, your time, your attention, your energy, your resources get sucked from everything else and they focus on the, the most immediate thing. Uh, So you can think of what happens uh, when your body is going into shock, what physically happens to your body. It pulls the blood from all the other parts of your body to the vital, to the most vital organs. So we're saying, all I can do is focus on what's most vital. Everything else kind of gets left behind. Everything else goes into shock. Well, just as our body does that physically, kind of our hearts, our souls can do that emotionally where we sort of emotionally go into shock because there's one eclipsed loss after another and we keep pulling everything to what is most immediate. 
If at any point in the last few months you've asked yourself, oh my goodness, what's next? Like how much more of this can I take? Those are the types of questions born out of eclipsed loss. Uh, One type of loss overtaking another. There's no time to process. It begins to feel scary, even overwhelming. Third, if you're taking notes, there is silenced loss. And this is particularly relevant for many of us. Uh, Remember that lament is articulating grief out loud before God and others, taking what is internal and making it external. Uh, But uh, silenced loss is a grief or loss that we bury. Uh, we, We refuse to voice it. We refuse to articulate it because of some sense of shame. We basically say, hey, I have no right to feel this way. I have no right to talk about my pain because compared to whoever else, it just doesn't matter. I, I'm not starving in you know, COVID-19 lockdown in South Africa. I'm wondering where my next meal is going to come from. I'm not an oppressed minority whose, whose wounds have just been ripped open once again. Perhaps you're even a minority and you have experienced discrimination, but you say, oh, you know what? It's not as bad as what the black community is is processing right now. Therefore, my pain doesn't matter. Uh, My grief doesn't matter. My loss doesn't matter. I'll just stay silent. I cannot take what is internal and express it out loud before God and others. I, I cannot lament in the biblical sense because others have it worse. I'm a white male who still has his job. So I have no right to, to lament or express outwardly what I'm feeling or, or how hard it's been to journey through shelter in place or whatever it is. Wow, homeschooling is, is really difficult. It's wearing me down. I, I feel like I'm going to have a mental breakdown, but it's not as bad as losing a loved one to COVID-19. So I better stay quiet. I have no right to voice that pain. I would feel guilty for admitting my feelings. And so we don't. We stay silent, we refuse to lament, we, we refuse to grieve, we refuse to process what it is that we're honestly feeling. And as a result, it sits and it festers. We shame ourselves into silence and then we lash out at others because of what's building underneath the surface. Or we reach for unhealthy coping mechanisms, which I'll mention in a moment. That's silent loss. It's suppressed. Fourth and finally, there's ambiguous loss. Uh, Ambiguous loss has to do with the ongoing, open-ended grief of not knowing when things will end. I was recently talking to my sister in Los Angeles, and she had her business shut down uh, because of COVID-19. 
And we were processing that. And, and she said, she said something really interesting because she's trying to figure out, do I let the business go? Do I kind of like tread water and hope that things will reopen in time before, you know, I go bankrupt or whatever? What should I do? And then she said something really interesting. She said, if I know there's an end date, I can endure anything. doesn't matter how bad it is. If you tell me here's when it's going to end, then I can make it through. The problem is what kills me is not knowing. The open-ended, the unknown, that's ambiguous loss. We're in suspense. We're kind of holding our breath through the situation, but we know we can't afford to hold our breath forever. It's, it's an open-ended thing. Uh, these are also referred to as living losses or ongoing losses. Uh, the hardest military losses are those who are uh, missing in action uh, because there's no closure. There, there's no end. Are they alive? Are they dead? How do we respond to this situation? We don't know. It's just an open-ended tension. Should we be out there looking for them right now? Uh, did they die a month ago? Will they reemerge a, a year from now out of captivity? What, what should we do? It's just sort of hanging over our heads. It's ongoing. It's, these are very difficult losses to navigate. And, and that's what COVID-19 is. Are we in this for another month? For another year? For two years? What else is going to come down the line? What other fallout is still to come? It's just there hanging over our heads, blurring our ability to plan for the future. That's an ambiguous loss. And most of us here this morning can identify with all four. We can identify with layered loss where we're trying to process things on all these different levels at once. We've got eclipse loss where new and more immediate sources keep eclipsing old ones and, and we go into shock emotionally. We've got silence loss in which we shame ourselves into silence. We fail to lament because other people have it worse. And we've got ambiguous loss in which we feel the loss, uh, but we can't fully process it because it's not over yet. It's ongoing. It's open-ended. Now, you take all four of these different types of loss, you put them all together, and, and you pressurize it a bit, and what you get is a lack of motivation. What you get is decreased energy. What you get is a lack of engagement. It just doesn't matter anymore. Another Zoom church? Lord, please, no. Not another. I can't do Zoom anymore. You, you get this sort of life paralysis that sets in. A lack of vision for the future. You're irritable. You're frustrated. You're maxed out. You've lost your zeal for life. Perhaps you feel lost. 
Like you've lost yourself. The sensation of being in a, in a desolate wilderness all alone. Disoriented. Glazed look in the eyes. Anxiety bleeding into depression. Fits and bursts of anger and angst. We've got all of this stuff bubbling beneath the surface. And in the absence of healthy lament, it doesn't go away. And and so we look for other ways to cope. Here are just a few. This is how we've been coping in unhealthy ways. TV watching has increased 30% since COVID hit for an average of 41 hours a week. That's average. For eight consecutive weeks, beer sales broke $1 billion, its highest ever in history. Cigarette smoking is making a comeback. Video game use is up 50% and it was already way too high. Three out of every four Americans have gained weight since mid-March with an average of 16 pounds per person. And online shopping has doubled. That's our response to a a recession. This is, this is how we cope, run from the pain, distract ourselves, pretend it's not there, deny our emotions, more TV, more beer, more video games, more cigarettes, more Amazon purchases, like a lot more. And unhealthy eating in the forms of 16 pounds average. What do we do with all these layers of loss. I pretend it's not there. I distract myself. I look for ways to self-medicate, to cope. I vent on social media, spewing my unprocessed angst and anger and fear all over everything. Attacking people I don't know, but don't agree with. Causing more angst, more anger, more anxiety. I snap on my roommate, on my spouse, on my kids. Why? Because what's in there needs to be processed. It needs to be externalized. It's the, it's the only way that we can find healing. It can't be ignored. It can't be buried. It requires lament. We have to take what is painful and share it with God and others. That's the only way forward. All of the beer and Amazon purchases and gluttony and trauma venting on Facebook, it fixes nothing. The problem is still there. It just resurfaces. In fact, over time, it grows worse. But as we learn healthy lament, uh, articulating our grief to God and others, it actually becomes the hinge into genuine hope. It's the pathway forward toward healing 
and peace. And here's what it involves. If you're taking notes, healthy lament involves at least two things. First, as we close, it involves community. You can't do it alone. You cannot take all those layers of junk that you're dealing with and just go zen out on a mountaintop and, and fix yourself. We, we wish so badly that were true. As Americans, we say, just tell me what to do. I'll go off by myself. I'll fix it. And, and then I'll come back again. When in reality, that, that doesn't work. That's not how healing works. Uh, Jesus had time in silence and solitude off by himself. That's incredibly important. But he spent most of his time in tight-knit community where there was shared processing, shared hope, shared lament. Social media, unfortunately, has shaped us to sit in a room alone, to only project positive emotions to the world, and to suppress or even be fearful of our negative emotions. I shouldn't experience those. I can't admit that I have those. They have to be buried. I have to pretend that they're not there. We ignore or bury the negative. We see vulnerability as weakness. And yet that's completely antithetical to biblical lament. You will not find healing in that. In fact, we are on the verge of the biggest mental health crisis in decades because of that behavior. Because no one knows what to do with their negative emotions. Biblical lament involves being honest and vulnerable and processing before God and others. Connection is the cure. And it's in community that we find the healing that we so desperately need. There is no alternative. And finally, in addition to community, we need scripture. Uh, to give language to our prayers, to give language to our lament. There is an entire book of the Bible devoted to humanity wrestling with our emotions before God. Our doubt, our fear, our anxiety, our inner groaning, creation before the Creator. It's a book uh, written by people who are crying out in the tension between the brokenness of human experience on earth and the goodness of God in heaven. How, how, do we, how do we reconcile those things? The Psalms give language to our struggle. They, they train us in how to wrestle with these things before God. God, where are you? Why do I feel so alone? Have you abandoned me? Have you forgotten me? Am I going to die in this? Why is my soul so downcast, so depressed? My anxieties are ruling over me. Lord, if you don't act, I'm going to die. The Psalms give language to our struggle 
in a way that social media and the culture and even our own hearts never could. They help put words to our groaning. And they were designed to be read and even sang in community, by the way. They're communal prayers. We cry out to God together. They train us in the art of lament. So that's what we're going to do, um, what we're going to practice here as we close this morning. We're going to practice lament. Uh, We're going to have a time uh, of release, of bringing these things before the Lord. There's no shaming into silence. There's no comparing side to side. Is what I'm dealing with as bad as somebody else? There's, There's really no place for that in biblical laments. Uh, we just say, Lord, here I am. Here's, here's what I'm wrestling with. Here's the source of my pain. We, there is power in naming things out loud. God, he, here's the, the source of my sense of loss. Here's what's burdening me and maybe has been for years, whatever it is. And as we uh, process and articulate before God and others, we begin to move through our pain. And out the other side. We don't ignore it. We don't bury it. We don't run from it. We don't distract and self-medicate. That's immature. Instead, we do the courageous thing, which is to move through our grief, through our loss, through our pain, and out the other side. That's the only way forward. We've been trained to run from our pain. The reality is you have to move through your pain with God and community in order to find healing. And, and so that's, that's what we learn to do. It's something we practice. It's, a, it's an art that we grow in with the scriptures as a guide. It's what followers of Jesus have been doing for thousands of years. And it's going to save you a ton of money on beer and cigarettes. So we're just going to have a moment here. Micaiah, you can come back up. Uh, and before we, we head into worship in the, in the formal sense, we're just going to take a moment to create space where we can name our loss. I, I'm very excited about next week's topic, becoming a non-anxious presence, becoming a people of peace in the midst of chaos but we cannot get there if we don't deal with our own stuff first. You don't just magically wake up as a person of peace. You you, you actually have to process all of the, the junk that we're carrying. And so during this time, there might be one or more of those four types of loss that really stood out to you. And this is time and space where we can just come before the Lord and just name those things. Maybe it's as simple as saying, Lord, I just feel overwhelmed by eclipse loss. I just feel lost. I just feel like I'm out in the wilderness. I just don't even know how to process what I'm feeling. Lord, I've never, I've never said these things, expressed them to you or others, but, but here's, here's what I've, here's what I've buried. I felt shamed into silence about these things, but I, I don't want to carry this stuff anymore. I'm just going to create a space where you can name, identify specific types of loss specific sources of loss 
and, and express that inner anxiety, our inner groaning in the words of Romans 8 before God and others. So for some of us, that's just giving language to this before God. Uh, for others of us, it might be opening up the Psalms. This would be a great time to just kind of meditate through Psalm 13. Let Psalm 13 give language to, to your angst, to your sense of loss. Uh, this would also be a good time if there's somebody here who maybe is in your small group, somebody that you, that you know, that you trust, you can just go grab them right now and say, hey, can we, can we just pray for a second? And can we just sit together and just, and just pray? I just want to name this. There's, there's power in that. In addition to that, a, a couple of us will be standing over here on the side as, as kind of the prayer team this morning. If you want to come with anything in the world, you just start naming those things out loud in the presence of others. We pray over it and, and healing, release begins to come. Healing starts to come. So those are all different avenues for how we might engage here in the next few minutes before we um, begin singing together. But we're just going to bring these things before the Lord. I'm going to pray for us, uh, and then we'll have a few minutes to just engage in those ways, uh, to practice this art of taking what is internal, whether it's huge or it's small, and, and expressing it before the Lord, giving it to him. Jesus, we uh, turn our eyes to you now, Lord, and we see you uh, enthroned uh, in, in the heavenly places as the suffering servant, as the one who suffered the, the worst that this world could throw at them. And yet, Jesus, even as you were on the cross dying for, for our sin in our place, you lamented. You actually used the Psalms to articulate your deep uh, grief, your deep loss before God, saying things there that, that sometimes we're afraid to say. Lord, would you teach us what it looks like? We live in a culture uh, where we've been trained to deny the negative, to bury the negative, to pretend it's not there. And as a result, it's always there. It's always hanging over us. We never push in. We never find healing because of the way we've been trained to think. Lord, would this be a place of healing? Would this be a place of release? Would this be a place where we come freely before the suffering servant in your presence and in the presence of others and move through our pain into a, into a, a, a peace on the other side? We come to you now, Jesus. Help, help us to give language to what the last few months have brought or the ambiguous loss that still hangs over us about the future. We look to you now. In Jesus' name, we come lamenting. 